Hello everyone, you're listening to episode 53 of Infraction, our true crime podcast. I'm Nadia. And I'm Sally. And listener discretion is advised for this episode as we will be talking about domestic violence. For today's episode, we are heading to East Tennessee and we start with a couple, Brian and Beth. Brian Stephen Lawson was born on July 5th, 1983, and he was in his early 20s when he met Beth Chandra, who went by the name Chandra. Chandra was born in November of 1976 to her parents, Avery and Gwen. She had a brother and two stepsisters growing up. The couple met in 2007 when Brian was 24 and Chandra was 31. When they met, Chandra had a son from her previous relationship, and his name was Liam. Brian doted on Liam and helped Chandra raise him. The year before they met, Chandra had enrolled in the Tennessee Army National Guard, and whilst Chandra was away on training missions preparing to be deployed on military tours, Brian stayed home and looked after Liam. A few years into their relationship, the couple married, and their relationship continued to be a happy one. Chandra continued to train with the Tennessee Army National Guard, and in 2012, she was preparing to be deployed to Iraq to complete two tours. Unfortunately, just before she was due to be deployed, Chandra broke her back during a training mission, and this meant that she, of course, could not be deployed. Brian stuck by his wife's side while she recovered from her injuries, and she did, thankfully, make a full physical recovery. However, during the operations and her time in hospital, Chandra had been given a huge amount of very strong pain medication, and when she was released from hospital, it became apparent that she had become seriously addicted to the pain medication. This addiction put an enormous amount of strain on Brian and Chandra's relationship. However, addiction was something that Brian understood. Brian had been born with a severe club foot. This meant that his left foot was completely turned backwards. He had undergone several surgeries on his foot during his life, and he too had become dependent on pain medication. Brian admitted that his medication addiction had then turned to drug abuse, and therefore it was not a shock to him when Chandra's medication addiction also turned to abusing drugs. Their relationship had become dysfunctional and unhealthy, but Brian tried to stay sober as much as he could in order to help raise Liam, who by this time was in his early teens, and it was clear that Liam knew what his mum and stepdad were doing. Chandra's addiction got worse, however, and she'd often have aggressive outbursts when she couldn't get a fix. It seemed to Brian that nothing could help Chandra with her addiction, but then she fell pregnant. When Brian found out he was having a baby, he was over the moon, and it was the motivation he needed to get help and stop his drug abuse. He put himself in rehab and got the help that he needed. Chandra was happy too, and she started to use drugs a lot less. In 2014, Brian and Chandra's son was born, and the light he brought to their life was life-changing for Brian. They decided to name him Brayden. Everything seemed very good for the couple. Then, on the 27th of January, 2017, Brian called 911. 911. I need a I I shot her with a I don't know, I didn't Okay, fucking hell, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, so he had shot his wife, Chandra Lawson, three times in front of their two-year-old son. Oh my God, he's in the room. Mm-hmm. 
So officers attended the Lawson home and they arrested Brian Lawson on the suspicion of murder. It's not something that we heard on that snippet of recording, but Brian Lawson told the 911 responder that the entire shooting had been caught on camera. And of course, the police were keen to see that footage. Why? So it turned out that about 18 months before the shooting, Chandra and Brian had installed cameras in their home. Um, Basically, one of their friends had been burgled. And when they were told about this, the Lawsons decided to install a home security system. This system was a camera in every single room and it recorded all the time and it saved um, like all the videos for seven days and then they kind of, the footage self-deleted. But it is important to note that the cameras only recorded video and they don't record audio. Right, okay. So the police recovered the footage from the cameras in each room and this footage showed them exactly what they thought it would. Brian Lawson shooting his wife three times. As I kind of mentioned earlier, it's incredibly shocking, but their two-year-old son was stood right next to his mother when Brian had pulled the trigger. From the outset, Brian claimed self-defence. He said that for that whole morning, Chandra had been abusive towards him. He said that it wasn't the first time she'd been abusive. He said that she had been abusing him for years. The DA reviewed the case, and very shortly after his arrest, Brian Stephen Lawson was charged with reckless endangerment and the first-degree murder of Chandra Lawson. The police handed this footage over to the district attorney's office, and therefore it was safely in the prosecution's hands. Brian Lawson hired father and son lawyer duo combo Daniel and Larry Boyd to represent him, and the Boyd set to get bail for Brian. They were successful in this pursuit and bail was set to $250,000, which presumably Brian did somehow manage to pay because he was released on bail pending the trial. During the time that he was on bail, he was not allowed to see his son, Brayden. Yeah, so where's Brayden at this point? Uh, So we kind of get into that a bit later, but at the moment he's in, he is in safe hands. Um, So Brian's lawyers worked tirelessly to get the footage of the shooting released to them Obviously, it was an integral part of the evidence and they believed it would help with their defence of self-defence. Brian had told his lawyers that the video should show Chandra screaming at Brian, hitting him with her hands, and then, he said, the video would show Chandra hitting Brian with a bat all before he shot her. The prosecution released some of the video evidence to Brian's lawyers. The video they released was, to some extent, exactly the bit that they needed – They received the video from the day of the shooting, and it did show exactly what Brian said it would. Parts of the video are shown in the A&E episode of Accused, Guilty or Innocent, which featured Brian's case, and I'll do my best to kind of explain uh, what the morning of the 27th of January 2017 looked like from inside the Lawson's family home. The footage starts at about 8am, and the camera in the bedroom catches Brian walking into the room where Chandra is stood staring at a television, and their son Brayden is playing on the bed behind them. Brian says something to Chandra, and she turns and looks at him quite angrily. She then starts moving her arms around as if she is sort of shouting, or at the very least, saying something quite unpleasant. Chandra pushes past Brian to get out of the bedroom, and Brian follows her. They are next picked up on the camera in the living room. Brian says that at this point, Chandra snapped. He said this was common. She often lost her temper and became very aggressive and abusive. This is shown in the video from the living room. Brian sat down in a chair and Chandra remained standing over him. She leaned forward into his face and started shouting at him. 
Again, there is no audio, and so we don't know what is being said, but it's quite clear that she is very, very angry. The entire time, Brian just sits very still. Chandra then starts hitting Brian. Her slaps and punches are very quick and very aggressive. She hits him over the head, in the side of his body, and on his chest. She then starts kicking him in his legs. During this time, Brian is still sat down, and Chandra is basically on top of him at this point. Chandra then leans to the left of where Brian is sitting, and she picks up a bat. Brian said at this point that Chandra said to him that she was going to bash his brains in, and he says that she also said, quote, I don't know how you're going to die, but you are going to die today. She uses the bat to point at Brian and then she started shouting at him again and then she uses the bat to gesture towards the front door of the home. Brian said that at this point Chandra was pointing at the door because she was saying to Brian, no matter who next walks through that door, everyone in this house will be dead. Blimey, this is just not what I was expecting at all. Mm-hmm. It, the, the footage is like chilling to watch. Like It really made me feel very, very sick. Um, she's She is very, very aggressive and like I keep saying, like you can't hear what she's saying, but I mean... You know, I don't I don't think that there's anything she could be saying that would kind of negate what she like what her actions are. Yeah, like you are. don't need to hear it really, I don't think, from what you're saying. No, 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 yeah, completely, completely. It's very clear what her intentions are. Um so next in the footage, Chandra then starts hitting the ground next to Brian's left foot with the bat. Brian flinches a lot, but he remains very calm. When she's hitting the floor next to his foot, he just sort of raises his foot away from the bat and he does have his hands raised in a self-defense sort of stance, but he's not like cowering away or trying to move away from her. As I mentioned earlier, Brian had had multiple operations on his left foot due to being born with a club foot. And so this move of crashing the bat to the floor next to his left foot is even more terrifying, aggressive, and um, I guess I would call it like a very powerfully intimidating move. When his lawyer reviewed this part of the footage where Chandra is using the bat, he asked Brian why he didn't get up or run away or push her away. Brian said that when Chandra got that angry, it scared him. It scared him for himself, and it also scared him for their son, Brayden. He said that she had been making threats that she was going to kill all of them, and he really believed her, and he said he didn't want to make the wrong move. In the footage, after she stopped hitting the floor with the bat, she then raised the bat and started beating Brian in the side of his torso with it. By this time, roughly 30 minutes had passed. For almost all of that 30 minutes, Chandra had displayed very aggressive behaviour towards Brian. That is a fact, that is all caught on camera. We of course don't know what she's saying, but her body language, her use of the bat, the fact she physically hits him with her hands and the bat, it's very clear that she is abusing him at this point in time. In addition to what we can see in the lounge, we can also see what is happening in the bedroom at this time, and I think this is what makes it pretty clear that Chandra is being as loud and as abusive and as threatening as Brian claims, and that's because the camera footage from the bedroom shows their poor two-year-old son lying on the bed with his hands over his ears, trying to block out the sounds coming from the living room. A few minutes after this, Chandra dropped the bat and walked away from the living room into the bedroom where Brayden was. She grabbed a bag and picked up Brayden, and as she is walking back into the living room with their son, Brian can be seen in the background of the living room footage, removing a gun from behind the sofa and concealing it under his clothes. During this time, Chandra is facing away from Brian, and she does not see him remove and hide the gun. Brian then returned to the chair that he'd previously been sat in, and Chandra turned around and began again to shout at him. 
This time, however, their son was in the room, stood next to her. She continued to shout at him and she hit him again. Brian then removed the gun from his pocket and shot Chandra. Chandra fell to the floor and Brian shot her twice more. Braden can be seen in the footage screaming and Brian, who is still holding the gun in his hand, uses his other hand to grab Braden and pick him up. He pulled his son into his chest with the gun still in his hand and then he uses his free hand to call 911 and that's the call that we heard a snippet from at the start. Did you say though that their older child is in the house? Mm-hmm. So is there not like a full witness to this whole thing? No, so um, yes, I did say that he was in the house but um, he was at school. He'd left for school already so this happened at about like between like 8 and 8.45 in the morning and by that time Liam had already left for school. Oh, so it wasn't Liam that had his hands over his ears? No, it was Brayden, the two-year-old. Oh, right, okay. Sorry, I don't know why I thought you said 14. Oh, right, no, no, no. So, yeah, it was um, it was Brayden who was, like, lying on the bed with his hands over his ears. Um, and, yeah, Liam wasn't in the house at this time when his mother got shot. So, the prosecution only released this 45 minutes of tape to Brian's lawyers, and they did not release any other footage from the seven days before that that they had also recovered. If you can remember from the top of the show, I mentioned that both Chandra and Brian had battled drug addictions. Brian had gotten clean when his son was born, but Chandra hadn't. Brian's lawyers got their hands on Chandra's medical history and noted that Chandra had been diagnosed as having mild bipolar disorder. They also claimed that her medical notes commented that when she was having a manic episode, she abused her husband. Larry Boyd, one of Brian's lawyers, then found a study that stated that there were links between bipolar disorder and opioid abuse and that studies showed that opioid abuse made the symptoms of bipolar disorder worse and had the effects of causing more serious manic episodes. Larry Boyd wanted to get his hands on the video footage from the rest of that week in January 2017 to see whether there was any evidence on them of Chandra Lawson taking drugs He said that this would greatly help their defence as, if the evidence showed that she was high on drugs and that she did regularly use them, her bipolar disorder would have been worse. She would have been more aggressive and as a result, Brian had every right to fear for his life and act in self-defence. This is just insane though, isn't it? Because if the genders were reversed, like you wouldn't need a reason to justify why the woman was scared. Do you know what I mean? If there was footage of him beating his wife up, no one would be looking for like extra reasons. Like, oh, yeah, completely. Why is it not self-defence just because she was already beating him up? Do you know what I mean? Why does she need a diagnosis and more proof? Mm-hmm. So this is, I kind of go on to speak about this at the end because it is very, I think it is a very difficult part of this case is that people look at Brian Lawson and they see like quite a tall, quite a big, uh, big built guy and they think, yeah, well, why didn't you not just push your wife out of the way? But obviously domestic violence is domestic violence and emotional abuse is emotional abuse. So I think... Yeah, like regardless of your gender, if he was scared for his life, he was scared for his life. It doesn't matter if it was like a, a six foot five man doing it or or his like smaller petite wife. Do you know what I mean? Like he was scared. Yeah, exactly. So unfortunately, the prosecution would not release the rest of the video evidence and they continued to stall the defense's investigation. The prosecution said that it was not in the interests of the investigation to release the footage. They said that there was nothing on them that would help the defense. Of course, the defence said that they'd like to be the judge of that, and so, just a few months before the trial, the prosecution sent the defence a stick with the video footage on it. The files, however, had been corrupted, and so the defence could not view or play any of the video evidence. The prosecution said that the evidence wasn't going to help the defence with their case, 
It was clear as day that Brian had shot his wife, and the prosecution felt that Brian had a motive to kill her. On the day of the shooting and the day of Brian's arrest, a man turned up at the police station where Brian was being questioned. An officer entered the room where Brian was being questioned, and he gave the name of the man who had come to the station, and he asked Brian if he knew who the man was. Brian said that he did. The man had been one of Chandra's friends. The officer said that this man was claiming that he was the father of Brayden and that Brian wasn't. The man had asked for the boy to be released into his custody whilst Brian was being investigated for the shooting. The boy was, of course, not released into custody of this man claiming to be the father, but Brian's lawyers did order a DNA test. The test revealed that there was a 99.9% chance that Brian was not Brayden's biological father. Oh my god, that is so sad. So Brian claims he had had no idea that Brayden wasn't his son until that moment when the test results came back, and he said that he had never had any reason to believe that Brayden wasn't his. Now, it's never explicitly said, but I guess my little devil's advocate lawyer brain kind of immediately wondered whether or not there might have been a possibility that Brian had found out earlier that Chandra had been unfaithful and that Brayden wasn't his child and that when Chandra had started fighting him and hitting him, he'd maybe seen it as a possible opportunity to take revenge by killing her and covering it up as self-defense. Like, I don't actually think this is something that is like that did happen, but I think it's something to consider. Um, And I guess from the prosecution's point of view, if I was on the prosecution, I would definitely see this as a motive to wanting to kill his wife. Yeah, definitely. They'd be silly not to bring it up. But it is difficult because actually, yeah, there's no evidence either way, is there? Yeah, exactly. So back to the video evidence, Uh, the defence then made a motion to go to court to get the video evidence released to them. At this hearing, the prosecution said, quote, The prosecution sees no reason why we should spend time and taxpayers' money producing volumes of video that is not relevant and won't ever see the light of day in a courtroom. That is just ridiculous as an argument. Like, it's so relevant. Yeah, yeah, completely. It's completely relevant. So Larry Boyd kind of testified to that fact and he said uh, that the defence did need to see it because the evidence was exculpatory and they needed to see it because they needed to see whether Chandra Lawson had been injecting drugs in the week leading up to her death don't understand why it's so difficult like surely this thing just auto saves it somewhere easily accessible like it would be a big flaw of the system if it's actually that difficult to get copies of the video surely no yeah like it's it's just a stalling tactic from the prosecution 100 percent. it's because they don't want they don't want uh the defense to see what is on those tapes um so yeah at the hearing uh Larry Boyd for the defence said that they needed to see whether Chandra Lawson had been injecting drugs in the week leading up to her death. The prosecution then interjected and stated that Chandra's alleged use of drugs had nothing to do with her husband shooting her three times. Larry Boyd for the defence came back and said that an individual is six times more likely to commit a violent act if they are bipolar and they are using opioids and that the defence needed to see whether Chandra, an individual diagnosed with bipolar disorder, had been using opioids. The judge deemed that it was necessary for the defence to be able to view that footage and it was relevant to the case and so he ordered the prosecution to produce the video evidence in a format that the defence would be able to view. The defence received the footage just a month before the trial was due to start, and on it they saw exactly what Brian had said they would. There was a number of videos of Chandra laying down on her bed, injecting herself with something. Oh my god, in the home? 
I don't know why that really shocks me. I've never really thought about where people do that before. Uh, so yeah, this happened basically on average three times a day for the seven days leading up to the shooting. Um, and she basically takes her baby son's blanket, lays it on her bed, lays on top of that and then injects it. Um, and you can kind of actually really see in the video footage like the the difference just in her kind of like demeanor and things like that. And I understand that that's probably because she needed to take the drugs. Do you know what I mean? So that's why she was kind of acting quite agitated before. But I mean, she's very, very visibly much calmer after she's injected. Um, however, on the day of the shooting, uh, the video footage doesn't show Chandra injecting any drugs. So she hadn't taken any drugs on that morning. And Brian said that this is kind of why she was so angry and aggressive, um, because that when she was high, she was always a lot calmer. Yeah. So from the period of his arrest through to the lead up to the trial, Brian had not been allowed to have any contact with the boy that he'd raised as his son, Brayden. Brayden was in shared custody between Chandra's parents and Brian's parents. And when Brian visited his mother, he would have to leave before Brayden was dropped off. Brian was still in contact with Liam, though. As I mentioned earlier, Liam was Chandra's first son from a previous relationship. At the time of the shooting, Liam was 17 years old. I have to say it from like the interviews and stuff that I've seen. Liam is a very, very understanding young man. Really? Because there'd be a lot for him to try and take on in all of this, wouldn't there? Like his family, like his mum's died. They, yeah, the abuse, losing his little brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, he he's honestly, he's such a understanding young man. That's really the only way I can describe it. He's just very kind of level-headed. And in one interview, he he said um, that his mother was kind and supportive, but that she also had um, demons. But he also said that he knew that his mother had a temper and that drugs changed her over the years. He said that she would often yell and it was hard to deal with. He said that he was upset that his mother had died, but he didn't hold any anger towards Brian. He said that nothing good comes from anger and it would make no sense for him to hold on to it. Oh my God. He did, however, say that Brian would always be the man who had killed his mother and that for that reason, he did think that some of his freedom should be taken away. He said, quote, if some of your freedom is taken away for five to 10 years or 10 to 20 years, then yeah, I guess I would be fine with that. It's quite clear from the documentary that this comment did affect Brian. I think Liam's understanding of the situation kind of confused Brian and he saw that as Liam being on his side. And then kind of this comment from Liam about wanting Brian to have some of his freedom take away kind of stuck in Brian's head. The defence compiled their evidence the evidence of Chandra's drug abuse, the evidence of her abusing Brian, and the links that they'd found between drug abuse and bipolar disorder, and they took this to the DA. They stated that making that footage public would reveal exactly what Chandra had been like and that they had a strong case for self-defence and they would be putting that defence forward at trial. They said that once a jury saw that footage, there would be no way that they would convict Brian. The DA's office responded by offering Brian a plea deal. The deal was a conviction of voluntary manslaughter with a 15-year sentence, of which he would only have to spend 20% of it behind bars. Chandra's family told Brian that if he didn't take the deal and go to prison for at least some length of time, then they would apply for full custody of Brayden and they would stop Brian's mother from seeing her grandson. The defence explained to Brian that this was a bullying tactic – Chandra's family didn't want the case to go to trial because they didn't want all that information about Chandra and all the video evidence being displayed in a courtroom. 
Larry Boyd told Brian that his case was the strongest case he had ever seen for self-defence and he urged him to go to trial and play this out in court because he truly believed that Brian would be acquitted. Oh wow, so self-defence would acquit him of all charges. He wouldn't be done with, I don't know, something else instead. Yeah, so self-defence is what's known as a complete defence. So that would mean that the if the jury were to find that his defence of self-defence... Um, stood and they thought that the force that he used was reasonable then yeah it would be a complete defense which would kind of mean that basically his actions were lawful right okay so in february 2019 brian lawson traveled to the hawkins county criminal court for the last time and it was there that he accepted the plea deal oh what He pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter and to reckless endangerment and it was noted in court that this plea deal had been made on the recommendation of Chandra's mother and her eldest son Liam. Brian was asked if he understood that this plea meant that he would have no further opportunity to turn around and present evidence of his innocence and that although his deal was that he would be eligible for parole after 20% of his sentence, so after three years, It didn't mean that he would be released and it was possible that he would have to be required to serve the full 15-year sentence behind bars. Brian said that he understood both of those things. Brian then said that he expressed every level of remorse that he had in him to Chandra's family. The judge nodded at Brian and then said, you are now a convicted felon. Under the deal that he took, Brian will be eligible for parole on the 13th of September of this year, 2021, But as we just mentioned, this doesn't necessarily mean that he will be released. His full 15-year sentence ends on the 13th of September 2033. As we kind of mentioned earlier, this episode was incredibly hard for me to research because of the sheer, I guess, divide of people who feel one way or another about Brian. Like, I did find it quite hard to present these facts in a way that wasn't one-sided. And I'm not really sure if I actually succeeded in doing that. But... A lot of people think that he should have been found guilty of murder and there are a huge number of people who feel that he took advantage of the situation that he was in, that he knew that the fight was being recorded and that he knew that he'd be able to plead self-defense if he killed her. You know, as I've like harped on about, the video footage has no audio so we don't actually know what they're fighting about and all we have is Brian's side of the story. And I think a lot of people think it's possible that they were fighting over the paternity of Brayden and that Brian did actually know that he wasn't Brayden's father and that that's what they were arguing about and that, of course, is motive if he did know that Brayden wasn't his biological child. And it's so hard because I can I can see it from that point of view. Like, I think it's very, very shady the way he gets the gun. Um, I question, you know, why was the gun hidden down the back of the sofa? Had he not planted it there beforehand? Like, I don't... I don't imagine that that's just the place where they keep the gun, if you know what I mean. Like, it's not like he went over to a safe and took it out. Like, he, he'd obviously at some point stashed the gun behind the sofa... Now, whether that is because he was genuinely fearful of Chandra and this obviously had happened many times before and that was like a place where he kept it for safety reasons or whatever. And then others have kind of commented on the fact that he shot her three times and that that's quite suspicious. And I can't actually really find any sort of legit source for this, but basically lots of articles and I guess you would call them commentators, have stated that she was shot twice in the stomach, um, three times in the stomach, sorry, and that the angle of the trajectory was that she was lying down when she was shot in the stomach for the last two times. And like, we know that he did shoot her three times. 
And I don't think it's hard to believe that she was on the floor for the last two shots because I think that makes sense. If she was shot, she dropped to the floor and then he shot her twice. But then a lot of people basically say that is overkill and he didn't need to shoot her that many times if it was self-defense. But I guess that's where my kind of problem lies with that. And I think, like you said, if this case was reversed, if this was Chandra who had shot Brian three times and it was Brian on those tapes beating Chandra nobody would say anything about this not being self-defense. And I mentioned it earlier, but like people do ask, you know, why didn't you just leave? Like, why didn't he push her out the way? Why didn't he walk out the house? And I think it's so difficult, isn't it? Because domestic violence is domestic violence, regardless of gender. And nobody would have asked Chandra why she didn't walk away if those roles had been reversed. And I think that's a huge problem in this case because he was fearful for his life and his son's life. And he was scared of his wife. And just because he was a man, that doesn't like negate any of those feelings or that fear. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think this, that whole kind of argument for me is very gendered. Uh, well, a lot of those arguments, I think that, yeah, he, he might have been a man. He might have been the physically bigger person, but he was still experiencing fear. He was still the, vic- the victim Um of a domestic abuse relationship and I think it shouldn't be underestimated the impact that it might have had on him um and like you said you wouldn't say to any woman or oh, why didn't you just walk mm. away uh instead I think people are very uh empathetic when women like snap and well they are because like battered woman syndrome is a defense isn't it um so yeah I find that like quite difficult to I think it's really important that in cases like this we don't just trivialize like male victims of violence and abuse that actually I think it's important that he is considered in exactly the same way of actually yeah he may well have been too fearful to leave um he may have worried for like his children um I think on the topic of uh well similar kind of note where obviously you mentioned that she was lying down and like was it overkill Mm. again I kind of think a lot of the times these crimes where uh, a victim attacks like the perpetrator of the violence a lot of the time like they are quite frenzied and overkilled but i think it's a spur of the moment the adrenaline at that time must be huge yeah completely agree yeah like if you think about it the that kind of oh my god i'm actually doing something right now i'm gonna fight back like this is my moment I, i think it's unreasonable for people to imagine that actually someone will use lethal shot and then just completely stopped mm. you know what I mean? especially if it's not someone who who uses a gun like and it's a split second things you know what i mean it's not like we're talking about someone reloading here and shooting again i think it would be very easy to fire too many shots so i just don't know how much like i would read into mm-hmm. that personally like i can see why people do but i feel like for me i don't know a lot about guns i can imagine it would be quite easy just to uh fire excessive amounts of shots um and then I suppose my thoughts on like where he kept the gun and how he went about it. I think it's a bit tricky because like, I know we always say it, but obviously we don't, it's an alien concept to us to have any kind of guns yeah. around, isn't it? So like I literally don't know where people normally keep their guns. Maybe behind the sofa is quite a logical place. Like if you keep one to defend your home, then having it somewhere that is like easily accessible, etc., maybe kind of does Mm -hmm. make sense or I don't know like he was living with someone who is very volatile unfortunately due to kind of their mental health problems with her bipolar diagnosis but also you know she did have quite a significant substance abuse problem he was quite often the victim of 
uh, her behavior. You know, maybe he did keep it there very intentionally because one day he actually thought she mm. will kill me. So it could have been quite planned to have it there, but not because he was going to use it that day. If you know what I mean, it was just sort of his safety blanket knowing if I ever need it, there is a gun behind there. Yeah, yeah, to use for self-defense purposes. Yeah, exactly. But that's not to say that he planned to use it exactly in the day in the manner that he did. Um, but yeah, it is tricky because I think it you can never know when he found out the news about like the paternity of his child. And that would, I think, be an... Well, it would be a hugely difficult thing mm. to hear. Um, but equally, I kind of feel like... I don't know, would there have been something more conclusive on the cameras if there'd been like a moment where he very clearly found out that week? Would it have been more obvious on the cameras? Or like you say, as the fact there's no sound mean that really like they, that could have been what we saw on the camera. But I just, I just don't think so because I think if there was a pattern that was noted by a doctor mm-hmm. of her being abusive towards him, I just can't really see why why there needs to be another reason. Do you know what I mean? I don't know why we kind of feel like it's not enough that they had a very volatile relationship. So, yeah, I guess I'm a bit on the fence on that one. I suspect that he probably didn't know. Um, He's, I like, it's very kind of judgmental, but I almost think he seems like one of those guys where he would possibly have not really done anything about it had he found out. Sounds like he really adored his children. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if he would be have been the sort of person who would snap because of that or whether actually he would be more likely really to snap like he says he did because he feared for his life. No, I do agree. And I think he he is so... um... Yeah, he he loves Brayden so much that he went... Well, he went to prison essentially for Brayden so Brayden could continue to see... Um, his mother, um, as in as in yeah, exactly. uh, Brian's mother, yeah. So Brayden's grandmother, yeah. But and and he didn't want to stop that contact, and he wanted Brayden to grow up with uh, someone from his side of the family. And I think, and you know, he said, and he and he always said the reason that he did end up shooting Chandra was because he was fearful for not only his life but also for Brayden's life. And you know, it goes back to like we yeah. don't know what was said, but you know, there are points on the video where she's like pointing at the room where Brayden's in. And Brian says, you know, at that point she was saying, like, I'm going to I'm going to kill you. Then I'm going to go in there. I'm going to kill us together. Like, basically, she said she was going to do like a murder suicide. And um, yes, we don't know Mm. if that's true. But I mean, it I mean, it it fits. Do you know what I mean? Like when he's saying, oh, she's saying that it's she's very angry. She's pointing towards the bedroom. And you've got to wonder, you know, what else would she be saying? And why else would she be so angrily and aggressively pointing towards the bedroom where her child is if she isn't saying something threatening about the child? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, he's got a track record of being a very loving mm. dad. Like, he took on um, a son who wasn't biologically mm-hmm. his and loved it like it was. So I just think there's nothing to say here. This is a man who, not I'm not saying that it wouldn't be difficult if he did find out there wasn't a child, but actually this is somebody who's shown like a huge capacity for love kind of regardless of, of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I guess I was kind of surprised a little bit when you said that he took the plea deal I know that there's obviously a lot of risk in going to trial, but I hadn't really realised that like self-defence would have resulted in acquittal. And once you said that, I kind of think maybe I would have... I know there was the complexities of like her family threatening him, etc. But I don't know. What do you think his chances would have been had he gone to trial? I think, I think he had a really strong case of self-defence. I think it's very rare that any kind of, you know... Uh, crime like this or shooting or killing like this, I guess you would call it... Um, 
yeah, it's very rare that that's ever caught on camera in the way that this was. And the whole entire thing was caught on camera. Mm. It wasn't just like that snapshot. Yeah, it's bizarre, really, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, it's just, it's really kind of startling. And even, you know, I've watched a lot of very horrific things for this, for research for this podcast. But watching that, I felt like sick watching her beating him up. Like, it was just so mm. aggressive, so violent, so scary, like really, really scary. Yeah. And um, I think if I had been like a jury member and I'd seen that, I would probably have had those same reactions that I felt when I did watch it, do you know what I mean? Like I, I could see it as a case for for self-defense. I I think that it, it was a strong case. Why would you think? Yeah, I because I think as well, like, it makes him, as well as showing her... um kind of perpetrating crimes against him it shows him to be a very reliable narrator like as soon as he called the police he reported what he'd done he was sounded full of remorse and he very quickly explained about the substance abuse he explained about that and yes okay he knew he needed to be honest because it was all on tape but actually i think the fact that what the tape showed does align so much with what mm-hmm. he said you know straight mm-hmm. out the bat um for me, as a juror, I would, I think it would make, yeah, me see him as quite a, like, a trustworthy person, because then the gaps, such as, like, what was being said, I think I probably would believe his version of events yeah. on it, because he's proved to be very honest about everything building up to, up to mm-hmm. it, so, yeah, I can, I can kind of, see, and like you say, it's, I think it's very, it's very rare to have that kind of footage, and I haven't seen it, but it's very hard to not feel kind of impassioned watching someone be cruel mm-hmm. to someone else isn't it like I think ultimately regardless of a lot of the other facts I think that would probably have quite a huge sway consciously or subconsciously on the jurors just watching that footage alone yeah and that's so true it's like that is so true what you said about the fact that it just shows that he's a, a truthful like narrator and that he is telling he is it, it goes to the fact that he is telling the truth like in everything even in what he was saying about Chandra's substance abuse like that's evidenced in the footage like and I genuinely the first thing he does after he shoots her is grab his son and then call 911 and that is all on the video it's so quick he doesn't mm. do you know what I mean he doesn't do anything else he like doesn't I don't know walk away come back like it's very clear that he's yeah he's trying to resolve the situation he sounds distraught on the 911 call as you can as you can hear like it's very hard to hear what he's saying in the call because he is so distraught and I also think and I don't know if I'm just probably overthinking this now but I think if you are doing something and you're doing it because you know you're being filmed like these people who say that they think that he uh, knew he was being filmed and that he just took the fight as like an advantage to like kill her and claim self-defense. I think it would be very mm. hard to not look at the camera. Like if I thought yeah, I, I was agree. doing and something. Yeah, I agree and not be a bit weird about it. Yeah, completely. Like I think at some point you would subconsciously look at the camera if your thoughts are, I'm doing this because I know I'm being recorded. I think you would look up at the camera and he like never does. And that's something I just thought yeah, about now when you were speaking. Like I don't know there's obviously like a lot of footage I haven't seen so like maybe he does but genuinely like in the time during the fight when he goes to grab the gun and when he after when he shoots her and after he shoots her there is at no point does he look up at the camera and I think in my opinion I think that would be quite hard to do if you are doing something for the sake of a recording yeah I totally agree and I just think why you know what evidence is there to suggest that he would have been that kind of calculating Mm. I just I find it strange that people jump to that conclusion when there's not really any evidence to support that, like he's not got a a history of being 
terrible do you mm-hmm. know what I mean there's no I know that there's this looming question over did he know about the paternity but I think there's no evidence to suggest he did mm-hmm. so I kind of I, I just find it strange that would be the angle people would go to first unless like you say somewhere there's some evidence to the contrary like he does look shifty on the tapes or mm-hmm. whatever but yeah I agree I think it'd be incredibly hard to act natural and and you couldn't you know he could maybe well have thought oh she's she's angry this is a good time to plead self-defense but actually it is very hard to engineer yeah, a situation like that. Mm. like that do you know what I mean where it's so yeah I don't know I just feel like to me everything I've heard sounds like how he behaved in all of those instances was quite natural and to be expected mm-hmm. and I think it would have been really hard in the aftermath and in the moment if there was any element of planning, I think it would have been really hard for him to disguise it, I agree. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that he would do it with his son in the room. Like, I think regardless mm. of, like, whatever his feelings might have been towards Chandra, like, I don't think he would have done it with Brayden in the room. Like, And and, and Brayden stood right next to to her. So, yeah. I mean, I, I just think that, yeah, it just seems so in the moment, so panicked. And everything he did afterwards also seems that exact same. It seems very in the moment and very panicked. So, yeah. I think I think it's hard. I think it, it was definitely a really hard case to research to find uh, a way to present the facts that weren't really one-sided. But I think ultimately, mm, I do yeah. think that, you know, it was done in self-defense. Yeah, and there is only one side of the story, unfortunately, mm-hmm. in case like this. Like, it's very hard to find an unbiased thing because actually we don't have the testimony and stuff of Chandra, do we? Mm-hmm. So I think we will always be a be a bit skewed Mm -hmm. yeah no i agree i agree so yeah like i said he is eligible for parole um this year i think his i think his deal was really bad actually i think it was really rubbish because he got 15 years for voluntary manslaughter and that already is a higher sentencing than what's normal yeah i thought that sounded high because we were talking about the other day what yeah or not derek chauvin might get and it was less obviously a different state Mm -hmm. but yeah i was surprised by that and then in that remember because i think that was on one of our patreon episodes wasn't it and you said um that actually as standard um it's 30 you serve 30 percent of your sentence before you're eligible for parole and he obviously has said he's obviously been given all 20 percent so already it's a higher sentence than only 20 percent you know, versus the 30%. I think it's quite a mm. rubbish deal, to be honest. But um, I guess, you know, he 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 kind of, he, well, I mean, he did want to take it because he did take it. Um, but I think he even felt like so, so much remorse for Chandra's family that he actually, he actually wanted to go and serve some time for it. Yeah, I think that that's like a little bit of, it would help him make peace with himself maybe. Yeah. By serving some time. Yeah, and... yeah, completely, completely. And do we know about... um? anything about where the boys are now i mean presumably they stayed with the family or yeah did he go with his actual dad so uh it's been a, it was quite difficult to research that bit actually so liam is like like grown up now like he's he's over the age of 18 um but mm. Braden. so you know the whole like plea deal thing um was that you know if you take this plea deal and you go serve some time in prison then we won't stop Braden from seeing your mum is what 
Chandra's family said to yeah. Brian. And then I basically read that in 2019, there was like a big custody battle between uh, the two mothers, so like the two grandmothers, so Tran- Chandra's mum and Brian's mum, and then also Brayden's biological father. And at that point yeah. when the custody battle was going on, it was, uh, Brayden was living in between his biological father and uh, Chandra's mum, and Brian's mum wasn't seeing him at that point. And now I can't see oh, anything gosh. post that custody battle um, or anything, you know, after 2019. So I'm really hoping that, um, that, that I don't know, that he did manage to, um, that Brian's mum, sorry, did manage to get custody, um, at least some or, or visitation rights or something. But I, I haven't seen anything that yeah. says that. Um, but that's also just like really sad, isn't it? Because part of the reason Brian said that he wanted to take the deal was for that reason. And it just seems so just shitty that he's now, you know, in prison. Yeah, and ultimately, like, it's... There's a little boy and all of that mm-hmm. that doesn't understand. I just think, regardless of, like, your feelings, and I'm not saying it would be easy if you just lost your daughter, but actually, like, your grandson is used to his other grandparents and stuff. I just think, why why punish that? Him, I don't yeah, know. I just kind of feel like... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, he can't comprehend that. The be- And he's the best thing he can do is have stability and continuity from the family unit that like he's used to. And of course his biological father is going to want to be a part of his life. And like, that's fine. But I just, I don't understand why it needs to be like an either or. And yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, completely. It ended up in a big custody battle really. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, isn't it? Overnight he, what he lost his mum, and then he lost the person that, well, his dad, he, but he lost Brian who had raised him. Yeah. It's just awful. I agree with you. There's a little boy in all of this and it doesn't need to be, it doesn't he doesn't need to be brought into it in the way that Chandra's family kind of have um so yeah i think all in, all in all like i think it's just a really really sad case like a really sad case but uh, one that i thought was important to talk about because i think we don't talk about um in the true crime industry it's, it's not really reported on about you know men who are in domestic violence yeah i totally agree because it does happen like i know it's a minority but it does happen and I think people's attitudes to it are still really backwards. I remember there was a documentary here um, about a guy who'd suffered the most horrific abuse at, abuse at the hands mm-hmm. of his female partner. And I remember being like outraged at some of the comments like on Facebook about it, of people being like, oh, you know, what a flannel and stuff. And it was like mm-hmm. literally horrific. Like she'd burnt him with like boiling water and stuff yeah, and people I saw were that failing one, yeah. to show like any sympathy and mm-hmm. I remember just being actually so shocked about it because they like say we don't talk about it a lot which is mainly because I think it doesn't happen a lot but I was just really surprised that when there was a chance to talk about it people were so like yeah horrific about it mm-hmm. yeah like people's attitudes really need to change on it and the only way I guess to do that is to keep talking about it yeah Thank you, everyone, so much for listening, as always. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook, um, and you can support the show on Patreon and get bonus content. If you're missing not hearing us every single week, we're still posting quite regularly over on Patreon. Um, And if you do sign up, then thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We'll see you very soon for another episode. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.